0: Amen. Thank you, Marilyn. And good to have you back with us, Sister Julie. I'm glad that you're here and good to be with you. And I also want to echo um Happy Mother's Day to all of you. I've tried to say that as you walked in, but uh thank you for being here on this Mother's Day and I pray that it'll be a, a good one. As we were thinking about Mother's Day, I found some common phrases. I was looking for motherly advice and I thought maybe this would be, maybe you have a favorite that your mother said to you. Uh, But some things that moms say, don't kick the ball in the house. There's probably a few mothers that have said that here. Um, Moms tend to say, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you. Eat your food, there are starving people in other countries, I'm sure that's been said at a Slam that door in one more time and I will. Anybody ever said that? One of our favorites, which never makes any difference, is I'm going to count to three. I don't know why three, but it seems to be something that we all say, moms particularly. I heard this a lot in my home. Wait till your father gets home. There was something significant about that. I've seen this happen in my house. Uh, watch your mouth, young lady, or I will get the... There's been a few bars of soap. You all acting like none of your mom's ever said any of these things to you. Well, there may be more of those motherly statements, but I thought that would maybe a good way to start this morning uh, thinking about the advice that's been given to us by those ladies, and I know it's been said a lot, those ladies that poured a lot of time into all of our lives. As we come to the book of Ephesians again today, we're getting something more than just advice. Uh, we're getting uh, a short course in Christianity. Paul is telling us how to live this Christian life. He's given us uh, what what it means to be in Christ. And so we're taking a very um, intentional, long s- course through this. We're walking very slowly. One of the things that is helpful sometimes to do when you're in a book like Ephesians is, and we've tried to do that from time to time, is look at companion or parallel passages. And so I'm, I'm glad to see so many Bibles on tables. Yeah. Put your finger in Ephesians. We're going to go back to Ephesians five in just a moment. But would you turn to the book of Colossians with me? It's just over to the right a little bit. We're going to look at the third chapter. Since we've been in Ephesians so long, I thought maybe this may be helpful to read. The same writer of the letter to the Ephesians is our writer here to the book or to the church at Colossae. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 3, Paul writes, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self, ...with its practices and put on the new self... ...which is being renewed in the knowledge... ...after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek Greek or Jew... ...circumcised or uncircumcised... ...barbarian, Scythian, slave, free... ...but Christ is all and in all. Verse 12. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And it just seems like those are things that your mother told you to do or be. Bearing with one another. If anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving one another as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonish one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God in whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let's pray. Father, we do give you thanks for everything in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit and that you would help me communicate your word. There is only one teacher and one speaker in essence and that would be the Holy Spirit. So today, speak to our hearts. Help us, Lord, to see how it is that we are to live this life and these days that are evil. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you can see, we're going to Look at Ephesians 5, verses 17, 18. We're going to meditate and give careful consideration to these words. Starting in verse 15, I just want to break in this passage that we've been looking at. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. There's So many ways to take this morning's message. There's so many ways to... So much written on the topic of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit-filled life. But this morning, I, my, my goal, I pray, I've prayed that it could just be a very practical way to share with you uh, such a profound few words. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a a lot of, I would say, misunderstanding and miscommunication when it comes to the Holy Spirit and to His gifting and to what He does in the life of a believer. So for time's sake, we're not going to deal with that this morning, but what we are going to do is try to walk away with a few things that I think are very clear on how to live the Spirit-filled life. And I will probably say this again, but let me say it before I forget it. That is not an extraordinary experience. That is not some magical, and I use that word intentionally, moment for the life of a Christian The Spirit-filled life is the nominative life for all Christians. As we begin, I thought it was important that we understand that what I'm going to be speaking about this morning is only possible for those who have been born again, for Christ's followers, for believers in Jesus. In this epistle we've been studying, it is clear that we are either dead in our sins and trespasses or we're alive to Christ. That's it. It's what I believe the Bible says. I believe the Bible teaches that we have fallen short of the glory of God. We've sinned. We have a sin problem. That sin has separated us from this holy God. And I think the Bible is clear that we can't save ourselves. We can't do anything to work our way into heaven. It is only by grace, again, in this few first few chapters of Ephesians, it's only by this grace that we have the ability to believe that God sent Jesus fully God and fully man to be our Savior in the payment of our sin through His sacrificial death on the cross. And God, through His Holy Spirit, gives us the ability to repent. That's a word that we need to be familiar with, and it's a lifestyle we need to practice. And it's, a, it's a turning. God has enabled us to turn from our sin and our wickedness and ourselves. And turn to Christ to trust Him in Him alone for salvation. The Holy Spirit makes that possible. And before I get to this practical living in the Spirit, let me say to all of us this morning, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I'm convinced there's no accidental meeting here this morning. I don't think it's by happenstance that those people gathered in this room are here. I believe the sovereign creator of the universe designed this day. I believe you're here by intention, and I believe it's for us to hear these words. Either you have turned your life to Christ, or you haven't. Either you are saved, or you're not. Either you're spiritually dead, or you're spiritually alive. And before we would move forward in the message, if you have not been born again, then the words I'm speaking, maybe God is speaking to your heart. And right now, in in this room, you say, Lord Jesus, I, for the first time, I've heard that and I understand what you mean and I'm turning my life to you and I'm going to turn from me and I'm going to trust in you and you alone and When that happens, there's the miracle of new birth. But let me be clear there's only two ways to live. You're either following Christ or you're not. And if you are following Christ, in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, it says that you are sealed, you have been marked, you have been encapsulated with the Holy Spirit. God, the third person of the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, has, is enveloping you and He has sealed you. He has marked you for His own and you are His. Now, that's not the filling of the Spirit, but I just want you to understand that we all have a mark on us. We're either marked of God or we're not. And so the, for the last few chapters, the Apostle Paul explaining that if you are marked... If you are, then you, there's ways to live. You should be living not in the old way, not the way that the pagans live, not the way that the people who are dead in their sins live, contrary to the way of God, but your life, my life, our life, should reflect our new life in Christ. We should have a, it should show our new identity. It should show a new way of living. It should show that we rely on the resources that God has given us through his word and his spirit. This way of living is not just some way. I, I, I don't know if I can say this right, but the Christian life is not something to hang on your life. It's not just a, a, an, a, like a do-it-yourself improvement project. It's not just to change your behavior. It's not, we're not about behavior modification. We're not trying to live better. We're not trying to act better. We're trying to live as different people. With a new life. Because our old life is gone. So what does that new life look like? Again, I'm, going a long way around the horn to be very practical but keep your Bibles open to chapter five and let me show you so the word walk we've come to understand means to live or it's a lifestyle this lifestyle this new lifestyle that Christ gives us what does that look like Paul's very specific look with me in the the book of Ephesians chapter five in verse one he tells us first of all to walk or to live in love In verse 8, just a few verses down, he says to walk as children of light. And in verse 15, in our text this morning, to walk as wise or walk in wisdom. We're to live in love. We're to live in the light. We're to live in wisdom. We're to walk these ways. So how do we do that? Well, first of all, love Christ is love. That's why we sing. That's what we've been singing about Jesus loves us and so because he loves us our lives should live in a manner where people could see we love people. Sometimes we love the unlovable and we've been singing and Julie gave a great intro to that song about light and we should be the shining the light of Jesus and there's so many I look around that you do that you you shine the light of Jesus and those examples and I have people in my life that did that for me and then also we, the wisdom. Well, Jesus is wisdom. So Jesus is love. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is the logos, that he's the word. And so that's how we are to live. A few weeks ago, I preached on quenching the spirit. Well, how do we do that? Paul says, just if you, a reminder of the sermon, he says, we quench the spirit by living in a manner like we used to. In other words, we, we quench the spirit when we go back to our old patterns, in our old ways, in our old thought processes, in trusting in ourselves. In other words, we, when we start living that way, we say to, to, the, to the Lord, I, what you did for me doesn't matter. I'm going to do what I need to do. And that's quenching the spirit. And now we come to verse 17. Paul begins with a negative. Sometimes that, that dichotomy of negative and positive is very helpful. He says, and he, his, his audience, is, he understands who he's writing to. He says, don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't get drunk with wine. That's debauchery. What's he getting to with that negative? He's saying, he's contrasting the effects of being Filled with wine versus the effects of being filled with the Spirit. When you consume alcohol, it has the ability to affect your mind or your thoughts. It moves your heart or changes your emotions. It even affects your will or your actions. You you consume enough and it takes control over you. Or I would say it brings you to a lack of control. People turn to alcohol for all kinds of reasons. For pleasure. You watch TV and there's joy and good times. Some people that I'm familiar with have turned, unfortunately, to that for relief from the ills and the problems of life. One of the things about it is it never delivers what it promises to deliver. Ultimately, it will lead you down a bad path. Paul's saying, don't turn to what the pagans turn to. Don't trust in that. He's very blunt. He says that's how foolish people live, not Christ followers. You see, Ephesus was known for festivals and festivals that had a lot of this kind of activity. A lot of drinking and singing. That's the reason as he goes on, he talks about singing. It's in the context of his audience. But all this behavior was not great behavior. People were consumed with this living the good life. And you know that I'm a fan of country music. And one of the unfortunate things about country music, but although it's a reality, is it just kind of exegetes the current culture. And, and that's what seems to be an interesting and we're going to preach about uh singing and stuff next week, but it's interesting I, I I was listening and preparing for this message this morning and it's it's one one person said it's interesting that the music about those who are not saved are singing about the good old times so you just turn to any any country radio station and that's the music that they're singing about and i'm not this is not about Country music being bad or, or good. That's, that's not the point. The point is what it's speaking to. Then you turn, then you come into to our, our service this morning, and our music is about shine, Jesus, shine. It's about the Holy Spirit here. It's about our life being changed. Redeemed people have a different song in their hearts. Amen. We have something to sing about. If our dog does die. If our mama does get ran over by a train, there is a solution, right? A little comic, but there's Jesus, amen? And so now we concentrate and we're meditating on the words, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, the contrast is really alcohol is a depressant, not a stimulant. Too much of it, and it again leads you kind of in a downward spiral. But the Holy Spirit, He's the ultimate stimulant in your life. Wine will alter your emotions, but the Holy Spirit will bring you true joy. You have too much drink, and you could lose control. But if you're filling yourself with the Holy Spirit... You don't lose control, you gain self-control. And it's when we have self-control that we actually have freedom. So some of you are sitting here and saying, okay, I get all this, but how do I live this way? I, I just never really understood this being filled with the Spirit. Is it some setting there and there's some secret thing that I'm supposed to do? Am I supposed to pat my head and rub my belly? Am I supposed to read some certain words? Am I supposed to say certain things? Am I supposed to pray a certain way? Is, am I just waiting for the lightning bolt to happen? That's no. Now, on a note, I'm making a note inside of these parentheses. There are special feelings of the Holy Spirit for God's people to do specific tasks. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. That's a different message. So I don't want to confuse you, but I want to be very clear. We are saved. We can confess Jesus because God, the Holy Spirit, he's a real person. The third part of the Trinity allows us to make profession of faith in Christ. Once he does that, he marks us and he seals us. He says, you're mine. And then he is our resource, the Spirit of Christ lives in us. He fills us to live the Christian life. And occasionally, just like all resources, there are certain people that in certain times, just like Stephen, example, just off the top of my head, when Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says in, in that portion of Acts, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I think he was being filled in a special way with the Holy Spirit to be martyred for Christ. That's not what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about being consumed, about consuming, something consuming our life, a person consuming our life that empowers us to live this Christian life. I have to go quickly, so hang on. There are four things. They're quick. First, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, "Dwell. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Dwell, fill, consume you. Let the word of Christ fill you. Well, in other words, in other words, let the spirit of God fill you. The word of God is how we know the spirit's fullness. It's the word of God. Folks, you cannot have and live the Christian life without this book. You just can't. It's an impossibility. And so, what happens is when we get into the Word, our minds are transformed by God's Word. Our hearts are stirred by the teaching of God's Word. Our wills are subdued by the explanation of God's Word. So in other words, when we enter God's Word daily, it's not for some trite saying, and we have them on our house. It's not so you can print a Bible verse and stick it on your wall in your house. You come to our house and we have Bible verses on our wall. This is not a message about that's good or bad. But that's not what the Word is. It's not even for an inspirational moment to pick you up in the morning. The Word of God is to come and take over your mind and your heart and your will so you can realize the fullness of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit impacts your life with the Word. I, I was preparing for this message, and, and, and one of my biggest fears, not just here, but in all churches, is the Christian life is not a hell insurance policy. You don't call Jake or David and say, hey, I need a hell insurance policy. Not H A L H A I L, but he l That's not what it is. You don't follow Jesus just so you can get out of jail free or not go to hell. You follow Jesus because it's a new life, it's a different way of living than all the pagans. It's not just come here on Sunday and think about God. If you only think about God on Sunday, something is wrong in your life. I'm sorry. I'd rather wound you and be right than you like me and me never tell you the truth. I want to try to offend just about everybody in the room. As I was preparing about letting the word of God dwell in you richly, about you getting in the Bible, about you understanding, getting in this word and the word getting in you, it's kind of... Growing in our spiritual life is kind of like this. Again, I thought about how can I offend just about everybody? So I want to start off with hunters. It's like you're going to go on a hunting trip. You never check your gear. You never grab your gun. You never clean it. You never sight it in. And you never take one shot up with it prior to your hunt And then you just go out in the middle of the woods somewhere. You don't even plan where to go. You just pop out into some woods and say, oh, I'm going to land a big game. I'm going to get a trophy. Now, there's not a hunter in this room that I know that would do that. Or what about sports people? It's like starting the season and never taking preconditioning, never working on fundamentals, never worrying about your gear just popping out on the field or court and saying, ha-ha, I'm going to win the sectionals and the regionals and the state championship. That ain't ever going to happen. Or what about taking a trip? So I needed to defend my wife. That's her hobby, taking trips. But it's like taking a trip and never planning and preparing and packing to go on the trip. But just walking out one day and say, I'm going to take a trip and I want to go have this wonderful vacation, and boom, it's going to happen. She's packing and she's preparing months in advance. So we're always in a state of preparing, packing, and planning. That's a joke. Um, It's like having surgery. You know what? I hear people say, well, I'm not readers. Reading the Bible is just kind of tough for me. I get it. It is. But how many of you would go have surgery with a doctor who's never opened a medical textbook? None of you. Brothers and sisters, if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we've got to get in the Word, and the Word's got to get in us. Because how the Holy Spirit reminds us of God's truth is by daily interacting with the Word. Second, again, these will be quick. You're filled with the Holy Spirit when you examine your life. Tom read for us Psalm 51 as the call to worship. It's intentional. Let me just read to you these words. Purge, wash, blot out, create, renew, cast me not away, restore to me, uphold me. When we're studying and meditating on the Word of Christ, we're engaging with the Word, it comes down to a personal level. And then God begins to search things in our life that are contrary to the way we should be living. And the Holy Spirit speaks directly to our hearts, and and we make mid-course adjustments. It's happened to me since I began to follow Jesus. There are things I no longer do because of this examination. I want to give you all a challenge. I'm not joking. I'm asking you to seriously, someone please take me up on my challenge. Pray for two weeks. Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. If you want to be filled with the Spirit, these words. Someone in my very first church said this to me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you want God to rock your world, you sincerely pray those and examine your lives. So we get in the word, we examine our lives in light of scripture, the third is to pray. Here's the third point, are you ready? If you wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, just ask him. The Bible says how much more would he as a perfect father Give us good gifts. When's the last time you just simply said, Father, fill me with your spirit? Fourth point, choices. It's as simple as trusting and obeying. What we do matters. Jake broke it down. It's, we're salvation and sanctification. We're not talking about choices, of working to earn God's, salvation. We're talking about people who are saved. You've said to the world, I'm a Christian. Maybe you've been baptized and you're, you're baptized and you, you've told the world that, that Christ is my king. What you do, Paul's saying, matters. I was speaking with someone whose child was inactive in sports. They wanted to help their child improve, so they were talking about a trainer. The very first thing this trainer did talking to this parent They started asking, what did their child eat? What did their child do? What was their child's training regimen? This is all for sports, and this kid is young. Young, young, young. I have a book on my shelf, which I don't follow. It says that if you eat certain foods, your body will inflame because certain foods cause inflammation, and I have arthritis, and that affects me, so my choices matter. So if I eat certain things, it's gonna make me feel worse. And so, what I'm saying, if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we get into the Word, we examine our life, we, we, we repent where we need to, we pray, and then we trust and obey. And all of a sudden, the fullness of God's going to take place. It's really that practical. So, application. Martin Lloyd Jones calls this part of the text we're going through the Spirit filled life it starts to change our singing. Charles Spurgeon would only let the congregation only sing. And he, he, Charles Spurgeon said, if you aren't singing, you may not be saved. Because everybody that's saved wants to sing about Jesus. And I know you, your voice and all that kind of thing, but it doesn't matter. God, the one you're supposed to be singing to, gave you that voice. So that's after this. And I, I'm going to go on. And then we get to wife and husband and, and children and parents and work. The rest of chapter 5 and I'm done. And thank you for being patient. But I get up here a little late. So, but thank you for being patient. But I want to say to you, listen to me. Some of you are like me in times past, have been trying to be the parent I should, the husband I should, the father I should, the grandparent I should, the employer I should, the employee I should, and my own strength, not in the Spirit-filled life. And let me tell you, it's impossible. You'll never do it. The rest of the chapter is how you do those things is by yielding yourself and being full of the Spirit of God. So when I read Ephesians 4.15, it says to speak the truth in love. One practical application. The Holy Spirit fills me. And even this morning, it was a little bit of, I'm being so real. Even this morning, it was a little bit of challenge at our home. And, And the Holy Spirit kept reminding me, don't tank this day. Live different. Don't live like the pagans. And I think we're okay, Right? Okay, just making sure. Before I went home. That's all I got, folks. If we want to be different, we have to live differently. Would you bow with me? Just a few moments, we're going to sing you've been patient, Mother's Day dinner's coming, we're bowing, we're submitting to the Lord in honor. There may be a person in this room this morning that you've never, ever just simply said, Lord Jesus, be my king and my savior and I trust you. You are not saved at this moment and you know it. You need to change that, and God's speaking to your heart. You just simply need to pray, I'm yours. There are those of us in this room that there's things that's coming to mind that we need to repent of. There's some of us that need to commit to the word. Try God. Don't test him, but try him. Just see if you could read a chapter a day and see what he's going to do with that. And as we're praying, you're going to commit to that. Some of you have never asked to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the only thing you need to do this morning is just say, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. There's others of us that need to think through the choices that we make day in and day out. Because we may be living more like a pagan than a Christian. Father, only your word is anything that we can cling to this morning. Only your word needs to speak to us. I pray that if there's people that need to do business with you this morning, you would have your way in Jesus' name.